What's going on? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Millennial Minute. It is I and Harrell, Elder Nick and Harrell Washington. We are in the, in the building tonight again. Tonight, we're going to be talking about fruitful versus toxic relationships. I find it very interesting, Minister Harrell here. I find it very interesting that that is the topic of discussion. Everything from Instagram with bay goals, everything with relationship <laughs> goals, yeah. everything with old people photos. If the love ain't like this, I don't want it. Yeah. But one of the intri- one of the intricate questions that we have to ask ourselves is that if we are expecting to have fruitful relationships, what within us has good seed? What within us has good ground? What within us would be viable to someone who is fruitful themselves? Yeah. In a culture of love and hip hop and fantasy relationships and entanglements, in the word of my friend, Pastor Jamal Bryant, Dr. Jamal Bryant, let me be correct, you know, we, we think of entanglements. Many people think of fruitful relationships such as Will and Jada. They see the longevity of their marriage, but yet indeed they talk about the toxicity of August and Jada's um entanglement or their relationship that they had aside from her marital uh, commitments with Will Smith. We often talk about Will Smith's assistant who he had different relational um, things with as well aside from being married to Jada. So one of the things that we have to shake down and really evaluate with fruitful versus toxic relationships, who or what is toxic within our relationships and more importantly, we need to look intricately to see if it's us. It's, it's I, I love how you just introduced that and brought that segue up. I was thinking about this on the way here. I think I was getting dressed on the way here before I came here. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering something before we even got into this discussion about fruitful versus toxic. I was thinking about how if, if we were to discuss and ask married men, what are some of the things to look out for and to be prepared for before getting married? Uh-oh. What would their responses be? And Uh-oh. then to pause that and then to ask the married women, what are some things, catch this, what are some things that you would tell men to be prepared for before getting married as well? But we're going to have to definitely have a female guest on the show. I just um, wanted to throw the question out. Yeah, so. yeah, but we're definitely going to have to because I, one of the things in spite of the... Um, non-traditionalisms of society with establishing roles between men and women, I don't feel like as a man that I'm equipped or really um, qualified to speak on the behalf of women. Uh, So we definitely will get a female guest on the line. I definitely believe it will be probably my wife or someone who's close to us who is in a committed relationship or married. But... Just to, just to throw out that so we can get some more some more traction behind you know our viewers. Oh, absolutely. But, so uh, was that directed towards me as being a married man or no 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 no? Oh, okay. that was that was more so directed to to the con- the concept of considering the type of culture that we're in, mm-hmm. like the people that desire marriage, and then seeing what type of culture it is. Sometimes it could even make marriage seem undesirable absolutely. because of the concept of. We have a problem with seeing what is real fruitfulness and what is toxicity. But see, the problem is most people don't define fruitful for what it really is. Okay. Because one of the things that people look at with marriage when they say that a marriage is fruitful, 
Uh, they look at finances. Mm-hmm. They look at, you know, how much money does he make a year? How much money does she make a year? What kind of lifestyle can we afford together? Mm-hmm. Um, what What is his credit score looking <clears> like? <throat> what can he buy me? What is her credit score looking like? What, what can she? she what can she do for me? Yeah. And one of the things that we have to understand is that fruitfulness is not defined by finances. And one of the problems that we have within this country is that more divorce happens behind money than it does infidelity. Mm. It's amazing how people mm. can heal like Wolverine when infidelity happens, as long as there's a financial stability or money involved, and it's amazing how many people will run the opposite way. Once finances run out or a certain lifestyle that one believes should be afforded to them is gone, and it's it's almost comical how everybody is always prepared for weddings, but nobody's prepared for marriage. Nobody's ready to commit for better or for worse. People are always ready to commit for richer or for richer, but not for richer or for poorer. In sickness and in health. Yeah, yeah. You get sick and that costs money. Then people start wondering, well, is this relationship adding up? And one of the things that we have to remember is our idea of fruitful here in America is very, very skewed. Yeah. Because, for instance, people will look at having one 300-pound pumpkin as being fruitful instead of looking at the fact I can have 103-pound pumpkins that will provide me just as much, if not more, seed The pumpkins that are three pounds are healthy. The one that's 300 pounds looks impressive, but is rotten on the inside and it has black spots and the core of it is is disgusting. Well, even even using that same analogy, we look at something that's blown up and something that's put out of proportion and say you got this 300 pound pumpkin. But once that pumpkin is done, if the seed is rotten on the inside, you can't even plant it. Absolutely. And the only thing that you could use it then possibly is for compost to make another garden out of, but you have no seed. But if you have 103-pound pumpkins, you can eat for multiple days out of a time, multiple weeks out of a time, and then you can reserve the seed that's within it, and you could actually grow for more. So in essence, what what this actually is, it's really about stop trying to make it look as though the thing that's blown up that looks really pretty is not as big as the small quantified things that actually make things established. Well, think about this, and we we can even go deeper with that. People will look at somebody who has a mansion and figure, oh, they made it, but they don't see what they pay in property taxes. They don't see how the regular items that they use because the neighborhood it's in is way more expensive than it is in a a middle-class neighborhood. They don't look at the fact that they have other expenses, including when you're rich, people will hold you ransom. (laughs) So there's certain security insurance. Exactly. There's ransom insurance. There's certain security expenses. Uh, People see the Lamborghinis. They see the fast cars. They don't look at what the maintenance is for those cars. They don't look at what it costs to insure those vehicles because they're exotic you know, people people will overlook that, but somebody who's a millionaire, somebody who's financially set and established, can live in a, in a you know forty two hundred square foot home that's two stories and has a swimming pool in the backyard, and they drive a Chevrolet Malibu, and people will say, well, oh, okay, well, you know that they're not balling, they have not made it, 
but yet indeed on paper, they look better than what they've shown the world. But we look at people who want to look good to the world, but don't look like nothing on paper. So, so let's throw this out there too. Fruitfulness would also be an example of, instead of, instead of looking at the person that has the six-figure job versus the one that has multiple businesses. And then the one that might seem like they're struggling, but they're putting things together to make ends meet versus one that's compromising their time and their, their sometimes their livelihood for the one opportunity that they have to make that big, that large amount of money. Like I started thinking about it like this. Mm-hmm. What to me, fruitfulness is equivalent to a sense of it's a hard work that has to be put into mm-hmm. it. But at the end of fruitfulness, there's freedom. That's how I look at fruitfulness, because then you have the time in order to put in effort into other things versus saying like, okay, I'll use you for example. I know that you're going to be a phenomenal lawyer, but at the exact same time that you're going to be a lawyer, that's not the only thing that you're going to be focused on. It's true. You're going to be focused on other business ventures with other things, other ideas that you got going on in order to affect change, not just in the community, but also not even just within the church, but you're trying to affect change in every place where your hands can reach. So when I look at that, I look at that concept as being fruitful versus somebody that's saying, I'm going to use another person, for example, versus a person that's just saying that I'm trying to be some big time premier lawyer that's a main prosecutor for everything, that I'm just doing all these other things. So I'm living my whole life towards this one individual goal, only seeking to gratify myself, but not Mm -hmm. to build nothing else. I look at that as toxic. Absolutely. But see, this is also what's very interesting and I, I'm so glad you would compare one person who makes uh, a six-figure salary versus someone who looks like they're struggling and has multiple businesses. Exactly. One of the things we have to remember is what the person who has the $100,000 plus a year job, that person generally, because of our consumerism in society... Is limited to that. But not even just that. They're going to have their expenses either equal or generally exceed what they make each year. Mm. You know, one of the things that, that you <clears> notice <throat> is when people make more money, they tend to increase their expenses. Yeah. They don't tend to try to live at where they originally had the salary where everything was affordable. They figure now because I have more, I can get a bigger house. I can buy that new Lexus. I can start, I can get that Rolex watch. I can... Wear the Ralph Lauren purple label every day to work. I can get the uh, the exactly. bags. I can do all this other stuff and start doing all these other things for other people. But too. see, you, but what you touched on, Nick, and this is really this is gonna mess somebody up. You ready for this? Let's go. Toxic people will spend their last to buy somebody else's last name, but fruitful people will do things that build theirs. Run, play that bet. Run it back. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna say that again. <laughs> Toxic people. Mm-hmm will do anything to buy somebody else's last name. Fruitful people will do anything to build theirs. Because oh, that's good. Versace is a last name. Yeah. Gucci is a last name. Yeah. Ford is a last name. Yeah. You know, uh, Hermes is a last name. Yeah. Vuitton is a last name. Yeah. See, people people who have who feed into a toxic culture they will go for broke trying to wear somebody else's name. But fruitful people will take the time of what's necessary to build their last name to where it becomes a brand themselves. So so let's direct that towards what's that like in relationships. Absolutely. 
people who have to to be seen. Because you have to remember, you have to remember this. There's a difference. People who always have to be out, people who always have to be seen, people who always have to take pictures, drinking at the bar, people who always have to have their name caught off and what's hip and what's happening and I always have to be on the scene. People know you and know your name for social reasons. A social drinker, a socialite. Someone who always has to be on the scene. People don't know you for being fruitful. People don't know you for building anything. People don't know you for anything outside of where most people go to escape the toxicity of their own life. Mm. People people know you at the bar. They know you by name at the bar, mm. but they don't know you at the bank. Mm. People, people, yeah, fruit, fruitful people... Truthful people, the the accountants know them. The the clergymen in the church know who they are. Yeah, you know the toxic people. They know you at the bar, the beer and alcohol room. A lot of people don't even know that's what, what the word bar means. Beer and alcohol room, where they consume spirits. Alcohol is called spirits. Yeah. So what we have to understand is what your last what you connect your last name to, toxically. And what you have to look at, what you connect your last name to fruitfully, mm. you know, and people, and I know I made up a word, but that's okay because we can do that. Yeah. I, I have a creative God in me and he created so I can create a it's word. poetic license. It, cool. Exactly. You know, but <clears throat> one of the things we have to look at is in, in relationships is what you're doing for your last name toxic. Is it, is it to say you married a fine woman? Is it to say that when I go out with her, I know other men would want her. Did you marry a fine man because you want other women to be jealous of your husband? What What was the reason why your last name was connected with your actions? That's what people have to look at is their intent. Their, their men's is what the Latin word is, their mind. It's connected to the intent and action. See, one of the things with me, <clears throat> my wife is very beautiful. But when I married her, I didn't marry her because I was hoping to be able to to not have the fan, to have the flame fan. That that wasn't, you know, that's grown folks talk. But yeah, it, it wasn't for that. You know, it was because what I wanted was I wanted a good woman. And when I looked at her mind and I looked at the way she dressed and I looked at how she didn't walk around with her breast all out and how... She didn't have her underwear showing. She didn't wear revealing garments everywhere, trying to be the center of attention with everything hanging out. I said to myself, this could be a fruitful relationship with her because the mentality that she has for herself in her name, yeah. I don't have to worry about her raising children with me and me and her are having the issue at 11 years old why our daughter can't wear booty shorts. You know, it, 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 it's, it's a toxicity that's carried, but I'm so glad that we, we talked about last names. You want to know why? why? Because we're going to lead into something different. Okay. We're going to talk about how toxicity in relationships is passed through generationally from parents to children. Okay. And we, we, couldn't, we couldn't cover about toxic relationships if we don't get into this. That's the same thing that we see in families where there's lying spirits that went from granddaddy 
down to daddy, down to the new generation. Yes. It's the same thing. It's the same toxicity that's connected with the name. But we also have to look at there's a relationship between each of those parties that's being listed. And our toxic relationships that we have with other people are often a reflection of the toxicity from the households that we come from. And I'm so glad that you segued that way because that's, that's exactly the direction I want to go in. Is because we, we sit back oftentimes wondering why certain we attract certain things to us or certain things always to be around us, but not realizing some of those things have been either supposed to be quote unquote fruitful, but they actually are toxic in so many different ways. I'll give you this example. I've found that a lot of I'm I'm not gonna say a lot, I'm just I found that in some people they use the the witchcraft mindset. Mm-hmm in order to get what they want out of society or out of people that they connect with. Okay. Not realizing that that was something that was taught in the home, either taught by the mother or the father, mm-hmm. in order to manipulate to get certain things to a certain end, only to find out that somebody else years of, years before, generations before, was either operating in witchcraft wholly or that they was using the same manipulative tactics that is of witchcraft in order to continue to perpetuate those same dynamics. Mm-hmm. Saying that I have to do it this way. I have to do it that way. I have to manip- manipulate my way into this degree or manipulate my way into this business. Manipulate my way into this way so I can be successful. But not realizing that it's trying to make it mimic something that's fruitful. <laughs> but in all actuality, it's really just toxic. Absolutely. And you see it in relationships between men and women. All the time, a man will tell a woman no, and she'll try to sexually please him. Well, no didn't mean no. It just meant not at this time. Same mentality. Okay, well, I want this piece of furniture, so I'll sleep with him, and I'll do these certain things. So that way, when he gets his big check, or I know when the next time he gets paid and how much he'll get, I'll, I'll ask him for the money and he'll give it to me. Or I'll just continually nag him and pester him until he gets so frustrated and I'll worry him, wear him down until he's so beat down that he's like, you know what, just do what you want. But you know what's crazy about that? What's up? It shows you what's wrong with our society. Come on. Because when a woman does that to a man, that's acceptable. It's him just being worn down and him giving in to his wife and stuff like that. But if a man used that type of pressure tactic on a woman for sex, he's a rapist, he's a chauvinist, he's overt, he, he's part of rape culture, he's part of what the problem is in society. My thing is, one of the biggest things that we have to establish with relationships is they're truly equality. If you really want equality in relationships, that means that the same standards and expectations that you have of men, men should be able to expect from you as well. But see, equality is is uh, is something that people people idolize, but don't realize that it's actually fiction. It is because even if you look at it from certain perspectives, and I'm gonna use I'm gonna use this one, and y'all get mad at me if y'all want to. I don't even care. But generally speaking, let's say you have a beautiful woman that gets the benefits of things that goes on because she shows up to a club or shows up to a bar. Mm-hmm. Because she's pretty, she gets these type of benefits. So she might not have to pay to get in. She might not have to wait in line. She might not even have to pay for her drinks. Yeah. But if it be true equality, then it means that even the one that doesn't look as attractive as her that has to wait in line, that has to, get, that has to pay, that has to pay for her own drinks and everything else, if it was true equality, equality only exists 
as long as it benefits the person that's talking about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that even deals with race relationships exactly between right. black and white people. Yeah. Between Hispanics and whites. Between blacks and Hispanics. It has to do with the same thing because the idea of equality with relationships is actually fictional. And to be honest with you, between ethnic groups of people and sometimes intra-racial, yeah. intra, intra, in between, in the, in, the, race. in the same race, can be just as toxic. We, we as black people have developed a mindset of saying that light-skinned is pretty and that brown and dark-skinned is ugly. We, we've, we've developed a concept of what defines good hair and bad hair. Colorism. My, my, my thing is if it covers your head, it's good hair. If you if you bought it, it's still your hair. It is yeah. good hair. If you if you didn't steal it from somebody, it's good hair. You know, yeah. you know. One one of the things that we have to understand is is that our relationships that we have societal wise are oftentimes toxic, even between coworkers, even between you know, even between households, and generations church. of people, church members, church members, denominations. Man. Denominations, you know, we, we see Baptists not believing in what Episcopalians say, and we see Methodists not believing in what Catholics say, and we have Southern Baptists that don't believe in what Baptist churches up north believe, and we see that there's people who have denominations based off of pants, and people who have beliefs based off of skirts, and people who have beliefs based off of everybody wearing the same attire and nobody looking any different than anyone else. And yeah, yeah. some people who have beliefs of not accepting blood transfusions. And you, what, what, one of the things that we have to understand is if God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, there can't be many versions of him. You just said a whole lot. There can't be. <laughs> so that means that the, that the relationships that we have between denominations are toxic because not any of us are seeing God the same way. Because if we did, there wouldn't be a division or there wouldn't be so many different diversities of uh, of who God is that we've established as churches. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we have to read within the Bible is it said that there was a body of Christ, that there was the spiritual Israel, there was the church that was Christ brought, the church. It didn't say the many churches. It didn't say the yeah. numerous churches. Yes, when we read in the book of Revelation, there are churches that are established at different uh, pivotal points. Yeah. But what we have to understand was it was the same doctrine that was being taught at all of them. And it was one judge. And it was one judge. One of the things that we have to remember what was so profound is that as the churches are being corrected for the things that are going wrong, Jesus doesn't say, you know, within scriptures in the, in the revelation that was being written by John in the island of Patmos, he's not saying, well, the Baptist church at, at, um, at, at the, uh, Theatera, you know, the, let's the church it, at Philadelphia. Yeah. Let's we, make it easy. We not talk about the church that's in Fort Worth or the church that's in Dallas or the church that's in Houston. Well, yeah. We're just going to break it down. Like this is that's what, true. this is yeah. the all of the issue that I've had with this church. And this is what I've desired from the church. And this is how I'm going to judge the church. And that's pretty much the same consistent flow in how Jesus broke down the revelation of, uh, of how he judged the churches. He, all ju he judged them by one standard. And by that same standard, he looked at them and he said, these are the issues that I have against you. Here are the things that y'all have done good. Here are the things that y'all have done bad. And just pointed out like that. 
And when we look at that in that same mindset frame of mind, we can't accept the fact that if we see something that's wrong, instead of trying to correct it and resolve it and come into unity and connection, a lot of times we continue to try to stand on the same ground to reinforce the fact that I'm different opposed to understanding there are similarities between me and you. If, if we really understood how toxic we are to ourselves and to everybody else around us, maybe we can start exposing the fact that we really don't have as many differences between us, but we're more alike than what we look at each other being different. And I'm, I'm saying that on every level of life, like mm-hmm. if we look at it between, I understand that we are all born of a woman, point blank. So there should be an innate respect that we have for mothers. We are all born from a father. Granted, he might not be in our life. He might be doing whatever has happened. He might have. He might be in our life. He might not even be the best example. But the fact of the matter is, there should still be some due respect to fathers in general, especially fathers that stayed at home and actually helped raise the children. There should be another level of respect for them. And then when we look at this, now let's take it to ministry. When you come to a ministry. And that you find that you're looking at a pastor or you're looking at a leader that's coming to say, I want to make sure that you grow and that you develop and that you become who you're supposed to become and not just be focused on just the fact that. And then let me just throw this out there, too. We can't be having every pastor out there just really just out there trying to scam people and try to take their money. We can't be having it or the fact that they're trying to sleep with everybody in the congregation. Like that's 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 another byproduct of a toxic home or a toxic mindset. That has to be broken down and sit here like this in order to be free from toxicity. We have to understand that there's toxic. There's something that's toxic there. You have to expose the toxins. And then once you expose the toxins, I think about it like this. If you if you ever know about people that have snake bites, Mm -hmm. one of the first things they'll do is try to find out where the initial bite is of contact and then try to have the poison drawn out from that place. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you start removing the poison, then the body can start to reacclimate itself in order to try to heal. That's right. But if not, if the poison has started to, if it's starting to spread, but it's spreading at a low level, you can tie off that part of the body in order for blood to not con- continue to flow in that direction and then put something on in order to try to draw out the poison. But if it's not, and if it accelerates too fast, Something that's too toxic to the body will cause you cardiac arrest and you'll die. The same concept in relationships. Whenever there's venom that, or something that's toxic inside of your body, if you allow it to fester, it will literally start to shut down different parts of that relationship. It might be your communication, meaning that your vocal capacity is not there. It might be your heart, meaning that your emotions are no longer in it. It might even be something that's going on with your blood vessels to where your blood vessels are beginning to start to burst. That means that the things that you would think that y'all keep connections with, that y'all can feel each other, y'all can understand how each other heartbeat is and how y'all flow, those things are now broken. And if you do not careful in order to expose what the toxic issue is, then what will end up happening is what you'll begin to deteriorate and be destroyed from the inside out. And that's the problem. We have to look at what can we do? What can we say? What can we be? How can we be in order to begin to expose the toxic stuff, get rid of the toxins, purify it, and then become fruitful by it? I'm just, I just want to throw that out. No, no, you're absolutely correct. And one of the things that a lot of people tend to forget about too is in relationships because it's not like sex is off the table. But um, one of the things that people have to remember is you can also become 
bitten by a snake mm. uh, with with who you sleep with. Yep. Because one of the things that you have to remember is when you spiritually tie yourself to somebody, you tie yourself to everybody who they've been with before you as well. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at why you start having certain sensations or why you start feeling a certain way about things, somebody, you know, could be involved in bestiality that slept with somebody prior to you sleeping with them. Somebody could have started having experiments with the same sex and you wondering why certain thoughts are coming in your head when you see people of your same sex walk by or anything else. You know, that that was one of the things that I had. um, Now, I won't ever say the people's name, but that was one thing that a couple that came to me about was because the woman had slept with a man and he was having a threesome with two women, but one of the women that was involved in his threesomes was having a homosexual relationship with another woman. So she, in turn, being a byproduct of not only their threesome, but then her being involved with him sexually and then getting married to another man, she started to wonder why she felt an attraction to women. Mm. You know, so people have to even realize that even within your relationships, that even relationships that are outside of your relationship can sometimes have a bearing on this toxicity with what goes on. And it also goes even to your friendships. Because you might be in a relationship with a person and it could be a fruitful relationship. Absolutely. But if your friendships are toxic, the toxicity will begin to be to fester with you. It's, It's like saying you be in a radioactive area, though you might not have any radiation poisoning. But if you stay around the radiation long enough, it'll begin to poison you and everything that you are connected to because you begin to start radiate the same frequency that is going on around you. That once you get to somebody else who doesn't have it, you will start to permeate their their issues and that you will begin to be toxic to them as well. And they can't be around you like the reality. Absolutely. The reality is, is that when we're when bringing up what's fruitful and what's toxic, we have to understand Things that are fruitful always bring growth and development. Things that are fruitful will wait, always wait. cause something to be open for you, meaning a new field. Wait, 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 wait. You just touched on something. What you just made me realize with what we've discussed tonight, generally what's toxic is because of how people feel. Man. Because it has to do with flesh. It has to do with, oh, well, I'm going to do this because I feel like this. And because I felt like that, I didn't feel like I needed to shut up. I didn't feel like I needed to do. And what you have to realize is what's toxic most of the time is your feelings. Your feelings towards how you feel about yourself. Your feelings towards about how you see about situations. Your too. feelings about how you see how you should feel or be treated or be established. The thing is... One of the biggest signs of toxicity is narciss- uh, narcissism. narcissism. Yeah. It is. And one of the things that you, that you have to realize is this. The reason why institutions that require sacrifice don't work anymore is because of narcissism. Because within our relationships, little girls are raised by their dads. And their dads tell them that they're daddy's princess. And that the whole world is hers. And everything she asks of him you know, he gives to her. So she thinks that men are supposed to do the same thing. Boys are raised by their mothers and their mothers don't really discipline them. They discipline and raise girls, but they don't do that with the boys. And then they grow up unemployed, broke, hopeless, helpless, depressed. 
in stinky situations and always looking for someone to be mother and pop one of their breasts in their mouth to feed them. It, it, it's, it's, it's the toxicity has to do with the fact that people don't base things that they do off of spiritual principle or off of the things that would liken and have a relationship with God, but the things that they do that are toxic are in relation to how they feel along with things of the world. And what we fail to realize is what's fruitful are the things of the spirit that you apply that manifest themselves naturally. So with having said that, in order for you to have a fruitful relationship, you have to look at what your relationship is with God and what his relationship is with his principles and what his relationship is with his word in order for you to manifest fruitfulness. I'll, I'll share something like this. Uh, I think we talked about this before, but one of the one of the main things that I get all the time about when you think about seed and fruitfulness, I have to go to Genesis one. And one of the things that was so significant, I talked about this earlier. I think I talked to you about it was about how we have to understand that in Genesis that God separated the water from the land and the land was called earth Mm -hmm. and the earth had seed in it. The thing is. How can something be covered by water and still have seed? That was the first thing. But the other thing was, is that whenever you have earth, there should always be seed. Earth is significant or symbolic of of the natural realm. So let me fast forward. When I think about the seed, I always think about a corn ear, an ear of corn. The thing that's significant about an ear of corn is every last kernel of corn is a seed itself. In addition to that, imagine if you have a field that's Mm -hmm. wide enough for you to plant each ear of corn out of one ear of corn. Mm-hmm. And if you had just one ear of corn with each one of those seeds, after the season has changed, as long as it's planted, watered, intended to, you not, no longer have one ear of corn, but you have a whole field of it. That's right. And so when I think about something being fruitful, a lot of times it starts off being lonely. Mm. And not realizing that it has more seed on the inside of it than mm. what it is imagined. And check out an ear of corn. You don't see the ears of corn until it fully matures. You don't see the actual kernels. Wow. All you see is the green husk or the covering of it that most, many times it takes something in order to strip it first and then remove the kernels in order for it to be planted. So sometimes we look at we look at the process that we're going through and sometimes it might seem hurtful because it's, it's a difference. It's a growth. It's a change. Sometimes that growth is painful, but it's necessary in order to get the seed out of you in order to be planted in the right ground. <coughs> but when we look at things that are fruitful, fruitful people always have people that will tell them the truth. And we all know that the truth doesn't always feel good. No, it doesn't. But if the truth is given through love, it will always plant us in a place that will cause us to yield a harvest. But you know what else you just touched on? What you said about getting to the seed with that with that corn, one of the things that we have to realize with most people is they never get to the core of who they are. Exactly. All, they never get to the seed. They never get to the root of who they are. Because a lot of times toxic people will just focus on the outside being good. Yeah. They'll focus on washing the outside of the apple, making sure it's polished, making sure it's shiny. But the inside of it could be rotten, have dark spots. And, and is not really good for anything else than other than being on display. Yeah. That's the reason why many of us have to intrinsically 
evaluate ourselves, we have to look at if we were really made in the image of God and of his likeness, then what is it that we are doing that distorts that image? What is it that we are not addressing at our core that is not causing us to have a fruitful life? One of the biggest things that I can often say is the reason why many of us don't have fruitful lives or relationships is because we've lost the art of thinking. Mm. We live in an impulsive, addictive-filled microwave microwave society. Like, it's amazing to me. You know, I'll ask people, I'm like, well, why did you do that? Well, I don't know. So you mean to tell me that you don't have enough rationale to think about your actions before you do them? You mean to tell me you're just blindly led by impulse to make stupid decisions? Or not even not even just that. To not even be to be cognizant of the of the triggers that sent you down the line of those impulses so that you did do these things. But not even just that though, Nick. Not to even be conscious of the triggers. But even when you ask somebody as simple as, well, why did you say that? Well, I don't know. So you have no control over your rational mind. You have no control over your mouth. You have no control over your actions. You mean to tell me you're living a life of just existing. You're living a toxic life where you're led by every whim, nook, and cranny that influences or sways you in any direction. You mean to tell me that you make decisions not based off of what you've thought about, but you've made decisions based off of what has influenced you? That's the reason why when I often hear people say, well, you know, uh, my behavior that came out was because of alcohol. No, don't don't blame other influences behind your bad choices and behavior. Don't use something else as a stimulus. So so what got you to the point of wanting to drink the alcohol beforehand? That's very true. But, no, but I mean, that, people will use that as a yeah, stimulus yeah, 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 yeah. to justify impulsive decisions and things that they do. It's amazing how people don't even think uh, of common sense courtesy. Common sense courtesy. One, one of the things I had to, I had to uh, address a couple of weeks ago, we were, in a, um, we were in a meeting at work. And a co-worker of mine, she had the TV blaring in the background. Her baby was hollering and everything else. And it was sad that I had to, in the middle of the meeting, I said, you know, can we stop for a second? I said, you know, I don't mind that you tending to your child and things of that nature. But I said, could you please mute the mute your line on Zoom so that way we don't have to hear all of this background noise if you're not going to participate in the seminar? Like to me, it's common sense that if we're having a meeting and your background noise is going to be a distraction to other people, common sense and courtesy would say, well, let me shut up. Let me turn off my sound. Let me. Make sure that I'm not impeding on other people. But that's narcissism. That, that's why I said that it, 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 one of the biggest barriers in our society is narcissism. Because I felt like that, you know, I wanted to make sure that people knew what I was doing. But, and the thing how I can say that, because some of you, you know, you're narcissistic on Facebook anyway. Because every time somebody says something, you always want to have something to say. Always have to try to counter something somebody says. So let me let you know. When we first began on the call, everybody's phone was muted. So it wasn't like the entire time her phone and Zoom line was open and we're hearing all of this background noise. And 
she unmuted because she made a few comments and she just left it off and started walking in the background and talking to other people and child hollering and stuff like that. Not even enough courtesy to have muted herself back, but because that's what she felt like doing instead of attending the seminar. But the amazing part is, is that when the project came about to be completed and she had questions and didn't know what to do, then it was everybody else's fault for not wanting to help her. Mm. Narcissism. Mm. It, it, it's amazing to me. And we have such an impulsive generation. And the sad part is that's a toxicity that's going to carry over to their children and how they interact with other people. But then, but then also that, that that's what I was thinking about while you were talking, man, is I think that this is the programming that's going on that's causing our society to be weak. Because if we be fruitful, in order to be fruitful, you have to work with something else. Absolutely. Like in any in any aspect of fruitfulness, you have to work with something and or someone else. Think about it like this. If you are the person that's being planted in a specific type of ground, you have to be first picked up, mm -hmm. have something opened up and then covered for a season. Yes. You have to be watered and you have to be tend to mean giving nutrients no, I got you. in order for you to push through something, a barrier in order for you to start finding your stimuli in order to help you grow. In order to do that, in order, you also need somebody to protect you for a season so that you can become strong enough that you won't be eaten or taken out by something else. And so when I think about when you say, and this is the very valid point, is that the society has been in training the people to be a narcissist, like training in narcissism or to be narcissistic in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. is that it's weakening the conditions for people to work together. Absolutely. And, and when you weaken something, guess what happens? I think about it like this. I'm going to take it in a natural form. Whenever you have been exposed to something that weakens your immune system, you're not able to fight off things that you should be strong enough to endure. Absolutely. So when somebody tries to give you correction, you're too weak to handle it. So when somebody tries to give you a helping hand, you always look at it from a negative perspective because you've been taken advantage of because your mindset is off. And the reality is a lot of a lot of people are dealing with the fact that they're too weak to really stand up to understand that there's really fruitfulness for them. Absolutely. But because of the weakness that's in them, that now it becomes toxic to them. So think about it like this. I can be trying to give you something that's helpful and it could be a cure for you. But depending on how toxic you are, it could actually be an ailment and it actually could hurt you more. So sometimes and I'll tell people like this, and this is very real. We all know this. But sometimes you just got to let toxic people be by themselves. Be toxic by yourself. Absolutely. Because at this point, in order for me to become fruitful, I have to let you go. It's like saying you got you got a plant in some water and the water has too much uh, too many toxins in it. Sometimes you got to pour out the water and put some brand new water in it. That's very true. In order for me to grow, I need the other stuff to go. But even even if we think about this spiritually, the reason why some people don't get deliverance. From certain things is because they you like they demons, not even just <laughs> not even just well, some people do because they like the attention it brings them and kind of reminds me of like the man at the well. Yeah. Uh, who, who kept saying, well, I don't have anybody to put me in there. And Jesus said, well, just take up your bed and walk. Like, why? Why do you feel like you have to have somebody else do something for you? Man. But that's nevertheless, that even has to do with relationships with people. How people can become so toxic that they don't feel like they can function unless somebody does something for them or has to hold their hand 
and, and, and tell them, come on and give them a back rub and encourage them to come on. But that's a whole different story. That that's a sign of not being parented. But that, that's that's a whole nother. Man, that's a whole that's nother. a whole nother issue with toxic parental relationships. That, that's a whole nother issue. But one of the things that we have to worry about and what we have to look at also, too, is that aside from the relationships that people have with toxicity with, you know, even between, you know, what we're talking about, the man at the well and. Oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm a little tired. But one of the things you good. No, no, no. But one of the things that we really do have to remember about with toxic relationships is one of the key elements in there is always contributory. It is always contributory. You have to see where the key or where the root of it lies. Yeah. You definitely do like what you were saying. That was a very, very valid point about being covered for a season and not being able to accept correction and things like that. Because even when we look at this new generation between you and I, you know, you and I are part of the same generation. The generations now that are 20 years old and 19, 18, 17, 13, they're, they're nowhere near what we were. Mm-hmm. You know, even as far as we see how much because of this telecommunication era yeah. where everything's with the tablet, we see that kids can't talk until they're five and six years old now. Yeah. And autism and other learning disabilities and intellectual disabilities have shot through the roof. We, you know, we we see that there's such a disconnect between parents not raising children, but the tablet raising them or the television or, you know, the computer yeah. And, and Teletubbies and whatnot, you know, it, it's not. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I You're think they're making yourself. a comeback with that, you know. You're dating yourself, bro. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, people understand you. and can relate to what I'm saying. But it, it, it's definitely something that we have to, that we have to abridge. Because like what you said, with people not being able to work with one another. And part of what's also... And this is this is the point because the Holy Spirit just brought it back to me. What I was touching on too when you said with people being covered and people liking their demons, one of the biggest things is too is that some deliverance doesn't take place because people have to physically regulate their bodies as well. You know, one of the things is that people addicted to drugs don't want to get clean. They don't want to get the chemical addictions, the synapses cleaned out of their body. So what happens is you can spiritually renew. But you'll still have a a, a a chemical battle in your flesh yep. that's just as strong as the indoctrination of the Holy Spirit that you're trying to get. That's one of the things, you know, and that's why I have an issue with saints that try to say, well, you know, if they had faith, they wouldn't need medicine. I'm like, no, some people do need medicine aside from treating the spiritual ailments. Yep. There is a relationship between the the metaphysical of the spiritual world and medicine that you give within society. Yeah. To me, the Bible tells us, you know, our churches have a bad relationship with marijuana. I'll say that too. Because the Bible tells you that, you know, any herb that's on the earth, as long as you consume it, as long as you eat it, it is good for you. As long as you eat it, not smoke, not shoot it. Because it's amazing to me how people will say it's bad that people in the church are using edibles, but yet indeed you'll go to the dentist and let them put cocaine on your on your gums. Yeah. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Your your Dennis never told you or, that Novocaine was derived from cocaine. Or, I'm or, sorry about that. Or or if they have a child that's on the spectrum, they'll give them Ritalin or something like that, and not realizing that that's equivalent to giving them heroin. Yeah, a Schedule One drug. And so it's like you're giving you're giving yourself to certain things that would be in the same boat as a Class One hard drug. But then when you realize that. When you actually eat something that is something that's grown from the ground that shows and has been proven to have medicinal uses, when it's actually put into uh, and put into a place to where you can actually consume it, meaning eat it, then that means that it actually goes through your digestive system and it breaks down chemically. And as it breaks down chemically, it actually has more benefits to your entire body than just a head high or just whatever it is. And it's not something that's constructed in a lab. In order for it to give, make you be under some type of, in short, a type of spell or mindset that in order to takes away the pain. Pharmacosis. Exactly. So it's just, you know, that's the, all the same concepts of uh, making sure that we, we really have a good idea of what's really going on. That's why pharmacies have the word drugs on the side of them. Yeah. People, people will put you away uh, for on the street. Selling gabapentin, oxycodone, and morphine patches, but Walgreens is perfectly fine to do it. Yeah, but if we start going down that line, that's gonna be a whole nother issue too. But yeah, the, the, but we understand about the relationship between most people of color and the justice system. And to be honest with you, we saw that with Derek Chauvin. You know, when he had the three not guilties read, and he was like, "But I'm a white man." What, what, what three guilties read? What do you mean I'm going to jail? Guilty, guilty yeah. of what? Yeah, relationships and relationships. Even ha, ah, God. Yeah, I, if, I had if to. Go, if we go there, because it's just I had to. It's just it's it's so many things. And here's the thing that gets me so much, and we kind of touched on it earlier, is that a lot of the toxic relationships are because of stimuli and the instant and the instant gratification of wanting something. Not even knowing That's whether right. it's good or bad, just wanting something to be gratified on it. Meaning, I want the gratification of saying that I'm in power. I want the gratification of knowing that I have control of something that mm-hmm. in my normal life I might not have. I want these things, but then it's also the self-gratification comes from the same spirit or the same mindset as narcissism. Absolutely. I'm so concerned about me and what I want instead of understanding that there's more to me than this this outcome there's Absolutely. more to me than this because i think about it like this if we would get outside of ourselves in order to change the habit of that something that's taught something that's influenced on us if we get beyond those things then we could get into a place of being fruitful that means that we would get beyond our distractions mm-hmm. we'll get beyond the things that will cause us to be diverted in our attention we wouldn't be seeing so many things like false flags and things of that sort that's right. we wouldn't be seeing those things because we will see things for what they clearly are it's the same concept as when... I mean, it's no different than what you knew. No different than what you or me. Yeah. Once God elevates us to a certain point, oh, man, I was cool with him. I always knew he would get there. Oh, yeah. People you dated before. Yeah, I used to date him back in the day. Man, he really did. Yeah, I remember when I dated him, he was just talking about these dreams that have happened in his life now. And, you know, yeah, it just didn't work out because we were just at different places in our lives, you know, and people people will try to attach a narcissistic spin, attach themselves exactly, to exactly. That, 
to it, something that was just a part of the process. Boo, you was in the soil. You weren't even in a part of the growth. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and that, that's one of the things that, you know, uh, big shout outs to our, our boy Chavis. Yeah. You know, Jacoby on, Chavis. Sir. Yeah. Jacoby. Yeah. That, that's what he told me. He's like, you know, and I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to do a little impression of him real quick. He says, big dog, uh, I got to tell you, man, so, uh, once, once you, uh, once you go ahead and do your thing and you, 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 you become the next John Carper, you know, you, you, you got to understand that folk going to start saying, ah, I knew him back then. Yeah. Yeah. We used to oh, think, we used to talk. We used to talk. Yeah. And, uh, we just weren't at the right place in our life, you know, but when he and I had that conversation, it made you think of that was a fruitful relationship yeah. because a true friend can tell you when they see danger that's going to come and warn you like, hey, man, this is probably what's going to start happening. You know, you're going to be the talk of the town and everybody going to start remembering. Oh, I was friends with him. And he said, but man, just always remember that. See, a fruitful relationship will always tell you something that'll keep you humble. Uh, here's, here's, here's one thing and we can close up pretty much pretty soon after this. But one thing that I wanted to say earlier is... When they close up the shop, then. <laughs> I say soon. I ain't say right now. Oh, okay. But uh, one of the things that I think about is being in something fruitful. Fruitfulness is always giving. Toxicity is something that's always taking. Oh, absolutely. Because if you think about it like this, if you plant a tree and it brings forth fruit. So let's say you plant an apple tree. Eventually, if you tend to it, you take care of it. Guess what the apple tree is going to do? It's going to give you something. But then if you are in something that's in a toxic type of relationship, that means I'll use the example of the police, the police force in so many different areas in America. Instead of providing safety and security in a lot of ways, what they're doing is they're taking lives away from people and families. That's a toxic relationship. And so when we when we move on from that, I just I, my hope and my prayer is that. We do some self-evaluations. We really start looking into the friendships, the relationships, the the whatever type of relationship it is, whether it be platonic, whether it be intimate, whether it be spiritual, whatever type of relationship it is, that we look at it in a very open lens and very clear and allow the spirit of God to bring truth to us and clarity so that we understand, is this something that's giving me something that's providing truth? That's opening up a field that's allowing me to grow, or is this something that's taken away from me and deteriorating me from the inside out? Absolutely. So is the, is the cup being washed on the inside, or is it solely being washed on the outside? Because if the inside of the cup is washed, the outside will become clean too. Yeah. Got anything else to close with? Fruitful relationships. What are your motives? What are the factors that determine why you pursued or initiated the relationship? What were you looking to benefit? But most importantly, what were you looking to give? These are the four things that you must evaluate, not only with the relationships that you currently have, the relationships that you currently are looking to pursue, and even the relationships that are in front of your face with family, friends, because one of the biggest fallacies that we believe is because someone is family, that means that the relationship, no matter how toxic it is, has to continue. We know that even when we look at within scriptures, the very first family, Adam and Eve, 
they had two sons. One became jealous of the other and killed them. So if the first family had dysfunction, you think after thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years, millions, whatever. I don't do carbon dating, so I don't know. <laughs> but you yeah. think if it started off at this point, you think after all of the evolving of human beings and decades and eras, did you really think it got better or worse over time? Oh. Yeah. So if it was bad from the beginning, you need to evaluate if it's still bad or if it's fruitful now. Yeah. One of the biggest lies we have, whoa, that's your family. You can't do family like that. I can. Because one of the things I value is my peace. And one of the things I value is my sanity and peace of mind more so than I do having people around me who don't serve the purpose, family or not. So relationships wasn't just romantic. This wasn't about people who make you feel good and post dumb stuff on TikTok. Some of y'all are too grown to have TikTok anyway, 40 years old in the 401k and post and stuff on TikTok, but that's a whole different story. Yeah, folk didn't want to grow up, but uh, on that note, <laughs> on that note, we're gonna close out though because uh, yeah, yeah, I'm done. So, Father, we thank you now for what's been spoken. We thank you now for every everything that's been declared. We pray now, Lord, that we get a clear vision, clear perspective of what is fruitful to us, what is toxic to us, what is a fruitful relationship, and what is a toxic relationship. And Lord, give us the strength to understand what is toxic in order for us to separate ourselves from it and allow your spirit to cover, to cleanse, to renew, to rejuvenate, to wash, to clean any toxic toxicity that's on our lives. We pray now, Lord, that even as we close from this, from this podcast tonight, that you will have your way even in our lives. And for this, we pray that Jesus be exalted in our lives and we give your name, the glory, all the honor, all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Till next time. The right relationship, Jesus is first.